0: Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to Podside. Uh, This is Pete. Around my feet is the incredibly gassy Chewy. Um, (laughs) I'm here with uh, with Carlo. Uh, How's it going, Carlo?
1: It's going okay.
0: And uh, we are here to uh, reprise a topic. Well, I I should say Carlo is here to reprise a topic. Um, He did an episode on Nausicaa with guests. And he had talked me into reading it, and I couldn't make it that day. And he just thinks that's bullshit. Like, if I'm going to read it, we should talk about it. And so that's what we're going to do.
1: That's right. Dag nabbit. <laughs> All right. Well, yes. Oh, there so, you go. Salute. Got myself a little bit of a Allagash, a main beer. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, like interested. the state. Like what?
0: Like the state. When you said a main beer, it's like, so you have like primary and secondary beers, <laughs> but I get it. You're talking about the state.
1: <laughs> Maine with an E at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Maine. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, so we're going to be talking about specifically like the, uh, the, the Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, the manga, uh, mainly uh, – uh, Pete mentioned he'd read it. Uh, generally speaking, what um, we had talked about with Emma and Abby uh, had been the anime, which is which is a fine anime in and of itself. It's just that I felt I always um, I think I saw the anime after I read the manga, and to this day, uh, like I think I must have read this like in early to mid nineties uh, on the recommendation of a friend. Uh, picked up, like, the the Viz Perfect Bound ones, which uh, split it up into four parts. Um, and I, to this day, I still think uh, it's possibly one of my, I would say, probably even top five uh, sort of, like, science fiction fantasy narratives, um, including books. Yes. So. I don't know what y- whether you're going to classify it along those same lines, Pete, but what did you think of it?
0: Well, um, it's probably not uh, that high in the canon for me. Like mm-hmm. It's not as high, but um, it's, it was a new experience for me. I'd, I do not have a lot of experience with, uh, with Japanese comics. Um, I actually like originally I purchased a Kindle version of it and that was proving to be a nightmare to navigate through. So I, I bought the paper copies and it's one of those things where I have to work backwards and I really feel like an old man paging it the wrong way and forgetting and, you know, going back and (laughs) forth. Um, it reminded me of, uh, and and you're going to have follow up questions to this it reminded me of babylon 5 okay. in that it it had a it had a structured plot it was going somewhere it did a long build and it had a lot of beautiful moments and i didn't really feel the characters had much depth hmm interesting it's, yeah i i mean i felt i felt like it was very strong in a number of ways but like the 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 princess Nausicaa, i i just i never connected with uh with her
1: hmm okay that's interesting so um let me uh i guess why did why did you find her uh distant or not uh deep for you um
0: Okay, I think, I think part of it is that her primary character trait – and, you know, you've read more than me, so I'm, I'm sure that, that in, in later episodes maybe she goes deeper, of course. But, like, um, her interactions are mostly about her abilities, it's like when she interacts with something, it's it's someone it's usually about her powers. Like she can commune with nature. She can communicate with animals. She can she can fly like she she does a lot of doing and it's doing that nobody else does. But like, I don't feel any conflict in her. And maybe I just didn't get to the points where she had conflict. Hmm.
1: Okay, so ha, I guess my question here is: um,
0: How dare you? That is my no, question, no. Pete.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Duel at Dawn, sir. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't particularly. I mean, I'm just sort of fascinated because. Um, so, when you say that, did you did you manage to get th- through the? Because um, there are several volumes or versions of it. And some of them have different volumes numbers. I guess my question is which one did you get and did you finish?
0: Oh, sure. Sure. So what I, okay. Uh, So I'm holding the paper version. I have, Um, I have, how do I identify this? Uh, It is a, it is a comic book with a, a it's and it's like a graphic novel. It's, it's of Mm -hmm. that size. It says Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind one on the front. Mm -hmm. Um, How do I distinguish this from other ones? Um,
1: I mean, uh, I guess my question here is because the one that I have has the, it's like a, it's supposed to be like the complete edition that has like two Gigantor volumes to it. Um, Okay. I believe this is a set of six. Okay. So this is, I believe that these are like thin, uh, sort of trade paperback sized, but thin, like maybe a hundred plus pages.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Looking at it, it says there's 130 pages in it. It, this one ends where, um, she links up with another, uh, soldier, I guess. Uh, and they, they just talked, uh, he he just had a conversation with one of those uh large super maggots that oh, okay. th- that mentioned she's important
1: hmm. all right huh okay so i i the thing here is that th- the end of it actually ends rather uh Far away from all of that. So, anyway, okay. I, I'm just sort of curious because it uh, mainly because I think you're right in the sense that, um, at the very least, the sections of the manga that follow the movie that are very close to the movie um, it, it's a lot of Nausicaa running to put out fires here and there. And it's kind of it's somewhat literally in some parts. But uh, some of it is actually, uh, you know, just sort of uh, trying to maintain a certain balance because things are going to, you know, just explode in bad ways. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess if no one's listened to the previous episode, maybe this is the time to go into this a little bit because this Nausicaa is sort of a post-apocalyptic i would say even dying earth type of uh setting where there are some certain there has been a long ago more than a thousand years ago there was some sort of cataclysm man-made uh where it was called it's called uh the seven days of fire and in those seven days of fire uh the the Humanity at that time, which is technolog- much more technologically advanced than than at this point, that we're starting the story, sent out these uh gigantic uh creatures of war that are they they simply call the god warriors, um and between them they sort of laid waste to the to the earth, and uh, we opened the story more or less in a period where Earth is still. Uh, in a period of uh, recuperation, the Earth itself. Um, there's large swaths of the uh, area that uh, comprises the, the the setting for the story that are taken over by a fungal forest. These gigantic fungal forests that are also sort of home to these equally gigantic insects that seem to protect it. Uh, the the fungus. And uh, feed upon it, and and have some sort of a symbiotic bond with it. Um, the small pockets that are still habitable by human beings are generally fought over, and there's two empires that are in in the story itself are vying for turf, uh, mainly because the 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 forest is called the Sea of Corruption. And it, you know, basically, if you don't beat it back, uh, you can carry spores into uh, habitable lands, uh, croplands, and whatnot, and just completely, it's it's then become part of that forest, and you can't grow anything on it. And on top of that, the forest uh, exudes like a miasma, uh, combination of spores and some other toxic uh, stuff that will kill you if you breathe it in sufficient quantities so people have to wear masks and stay inside sound familiar folks <laughs> uh but yeah i just wanted to set that up mainly because i'm not entirely sure you know if anyone's listening to this out of order and didn't listen to the previous one there you have it so uh Nausica's is like the the Heir to a very small kingdom that belongs to um the the empire, I forget no they're part of turrmiia um and so she is. Her dad has, has contracted a wasting disease uh, that basically slowly turns, calcifies your body. And you become paralyzed, so he's bedridden. So she's sort of like princess plus also you know young enough to not uh, be completely uh, beholden to like, the entire bureaucracy because he's still around to sort of run that aspect. Uh, but you were going to say something, Pete.
0: Uh, Oh yeah. Well, one thing I was going to say here is, and this is on the, on the, the plus side of the uh, ledger. I think like the Valley of the wind world is, uh, well, it's certainly the most fascinating world I've seen in an anime. I'd love to do an RPG in this thing. It's, Mm -hmm. it's wild. And the, 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 rule set for want of a better description is very different. I'm, um, if anything would make me read more and I think I'm gonna, uh, that would be it is that there's so many moving parts to this and they are, they are lined up in a fun way.
1: Right. Well, I, I do want to say that one of the things that, uh, really stood out to me having sort of read this after coming back from the Navy and stuff like that is that in this, the, the care that's taken in sort of providing these more like, uh, uh the, the, the second in command to lady Kushana, uh, shit, I'm forgetting his name, but, uh, he, he comes across as, a perfect balance of like go-getter and rule follower in a way that feels very real for like a military person. So, you know, he's a schemer, he's ruthless, but he's also loyal. And also on top of that, like the small things that really make it pop for me is these little moments where it's like, you know, the, the, they crash, or they lose a they lose a uh, uh, a jet uh, not a jet but a plane of some sort, and immediately there's a work crew running out to go. We got to reclaim the engines because obviously they they can't really the engines are not something that they can easily reproduce. They're they're just basically repairing existing machinery with you know sort of duct tape and and spit, if you will. Uh, so you know. If they lose a, a vehicle or a, or an aircraft, they have to go recover the engines and they can build an, another aircraft around that. But the engine is is very important. And all of those little tiny details really struck, you know, really hit home for me. It felt real to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, not that you need me to say this, but I think that's a really good uh, description of, of the compelling pieces of it. I mean, while, like I said, I did have some issues with sort of the main focus character, like that I never really felt connected. I did feel connected to the world, like the world made sense, which is sort of an amazing thing to say when you look at what it is, like it's a, it's a post-apocalyptic, um, arguably sentient mold forest. I mean what? Like how can that be <laughs> something that's realistic but it 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 did feel that way. Um I think part of it and man there are things in Japanese entertainment that I see again and again that I really don't like. Um, and, um, they, they set my teeth on edge and there weren't many of these here. Like one thing I see a lot is sort of the, the wide eyed, overexcited, screaming child getting mad. I see an anime after anime, and that is something that is never connected to me. Um, another is like the, the, uh, the extremely knowledgeable and wise yet goofy man dressed in thousands of rags and a funny hat. And I saw that guy here.
1: It was at uh master Yupa. Yes.
0: Master Yupa. And I mean, he was an interesting character, but because I guess, because my ex- exposure is so limited uh, to, uh, to like ja- Japanese comics. And I see this guy and I'm like, yeah, I know this guy. And it, that's, uh, I mean that's probably just me but it was it was kind of hard not to have a small reaction to that because like if you recognize a carrier t- uh, character type and your exposure is practically nil that's a bad sign.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let let me ask you this because I don't know uh, if you know part of this was um this m- manga as it is uh basically i'm not entirely sure how it breaks down in the the version that you got but i'm going to guess that if this is like uh 6 or 7 um uh, uh books in your version there's probably around the third or fourth uh book is where the like he worked on this until i believe like 1984 or 82 Uh, let me check, 84, because that's when the anime came uh, came out. And so half of it sort of maps onto the anime in a certain way. The anime is different because he's sort of finished everything. And then later, I believe years later, like four years later, he came back to it and slowly finished it and by nineteen ninety something he was done uh so there is like this weird um moment in the narr- in in sort of the narrative arc where it feels like it comes to an a, a stopping point um where she is on the shores, like on the shores of these uh acid lakes, and uh the the Omu, which are the gigantic uh worm like creatures um basically r- raise her, raise her up with their um little tendrils and whatnot and that's the end sort of how the the movie ends as well uh, on this note of like prophetic note uh they talk about a prophecy of like a blue winged angel will return yada 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 um and after that he continued working on it i think he just was not pleased with how the film came out and this is one of those few 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 moments i guess where an artist gets to have their cake and eat it too and he went back and he sort of uh fixed some of the parts that he felt needed fixing and the last half of that of the entire narrative arc just sort of folds back in on itself and kind of deconstructs a bunch of stuff that is set up at the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Um, I guess my question is, Pete, have you, um, did you ever see princess Mononoke?
0: I have not. Uh, My, my exposures to uh, uh, anime movies, particularly the very good ones, is very limited and that's that's Mm -hmm. one thing maybe we can try and fix with this podcast
1: okay well uh the reason i ask is because uh if you had seen it uh, i was going to ask you what you thought of the main character in that movie but if not because uh my uh my feeling is that uh princess mononoke touches on a lot of the same themes that we're seeing in here. Um, Sort of like the whole, you know, sort of ecological, you know, issues, the idea of a, maybe not completely pacifist, but as pacifist as you can try to be uh, in the midst of a war character, uh, which in this case is Nausicaa. Um, And and, uh, it's just weird because I find uh, maybe I uh, the fact that I've read this a while back, uh, I never sort of thought that she was not. uh, What was the phrase that you used? Uh, Not deep.
0: (laughs) Okay. well, and I mean, some of this, like from what I'm hearing from you, it might be like if I had taken the Watchmen and read the first four issues and then stopped. Like you don't really, you don't really know where he's going at that point. And it might just be that simple is that I haven't gotten a broad enough sa- sample to really understand what's happening. And that's, that's fair.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's f- fair enough. I, I, I have to, I, I, I'd be interested in, in knowing what you think once you uh, once you do get to the end, okay. because that's, that's sort of a, a honestly, I, I, I really love like the last third of this is so over the, like not over the top. It's just simply like so different and feels so much more epic than the, than the beginning. And I know that that sounds like, you know, like 14 year old me going like, you got to finish it. Cause it's <laughs> like badass, man. It's like badass. Okay. Gotta finish.
0: You, you've, you've built trust with me. I mean, if, <laughs> if if this is worth writing it to the end, I will. I, I actually, a few days ago, books two and three arrived at my house. And so I'll read those and then order more. When I get to six, maybe we can do a follow-up in an episode and continue, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. So, I mean, um, in... In this I suppose my uh like I think that you're absolutely right that the um that the setting here is a character in and of itself. Uh did you I mean honestly you're 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 spot on. I would I would totally like do an entire like game <laughs> like a, a game campaign set in, you know, the, the periphery of, you know, either the kingdoms of the periphery in this uh, setting or, uh, you know, sort of like scampering about in the, um, in the forest of corruption in some way, shape or form. Uh-huh. Cause I mean, it, there's a lot to love here. And uh, apparently I did not know this, but it, it, it does show Um especially in like some of the opening panels that, uh, Miyazaki, one of Miyazaki's big sort of illustrator, um, influences was, uh, was Mobius. So there's a certain, I believe Abby Denton, when she was talking about it, was saying that there is a certain alienness to the, to the, how you come into the setting in the manga and in the, in, in the film as well, uh, where it's just showing you a scene, you know, this is, this is where she is, but it's not, like, it's just a very alien feeling. I don't know if you felt that when, when you started reading this.
0: It was a, the, the exposure to the world was for the first time, I think, was artfully done. Like, if I if I remember correctly, like the beginning of, well, it's right next to me, I can look. But it's Mm -hmm. it's it's basically her taking that air glider and going into the forest of corruption and having an encounter like um, tracking one of those big beasts. Uh, and finding its molted shell, and then finding some people who are having some trouble and trying to help them something along those lines. and as a result, you know, like you you get exposure to what the world is like, you see her having those um, understand the voices of animals' moments, and you know, mm-hmm. based upon where I've read, I still don't know what's going on there, but it's pretty clearly sort of like the the linchpin of who she is, like she's connected to the forests of corruption in a way that nobody else I've seen is, mm-hmm. and right. you know that's that's very interesting all the way around.
1: Well, I mean, there is that moment where she when you're mentioning the the molted shell where she um she finds the shell and realizes because this is also a world where like they try to use uh you know some of the 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 insect parts for different stuff. So she uses one of the eye uh, uh, coverings like in part of the molt Um, is a perfect dome that could fit over the, the, uh, the jet or the fighter jet that they have. I'm sorry. It's not a jet. It's sort of like a, uh, whatever, an aircraft. Um, And just basically like a, a cockpit covering or something like that, because apparently the, the Omo shell once it's hardened is harder than pretty much anything that they can, they can make.
0: Yeah. It's like a ceramic steel almost.
1: Yeah. Well, even, even harder because she, she tries it. Remember, she tries to pry it with her little ceramic knife and, uh, and it chips it. So she has to use, she has to use like one of her shells, sort of like the, the, the gunpowder out of it and sort of like uh, detonate it. So that it, explodes and and burns away the 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 connector tissue or whatever that's left anyway there is that moment where she manages to get it out and then she she sort of lies under it and watches the the afternoon uh miasma and spores just drift down and cover the 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 shell uh and it's just beautiful and alien and you realize that she is very much like you say in touch with the natural world as it exists here
0: yeah yeah that's that's well put it's um i i mean it's something i feel weird talking about because i never i i clearly didn't get to the bottom of it but like she's she's the story you know, it's not it's not the Valley of the Wind and Nosaka. It's Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind.
1: Right. Right, right. I mean, and yeah, you know, obviously she is supposed to be uh like her name is taken from like the Odyssey and and so on and so forth. But yeah, she is the sort of the central point of the whole story. Um And for the record, I knew
0: that, but I knew that because I looked it up. <laughs>
1: Right. So, um, I guess, uh, what did you, uh, I guess you, you got to the point where she helps master Yupa, uh, by, by luring away the, the big worm creature, right? Yes. And that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing because also, you know, she understands that she can't possibly, Uh, beat the Omu, there's no way that she can, like, hurt it, even. Uh, So she tries to distract it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, she, um, I don't think they necessarily said it in there, but like, she was definitely, uh, she seemed very aware that it was intelligent. Mm, Like, you know, well before the speech stuff, and like, like her, her moves were moves you would do that are almost communication.
1: Right. Well, I mean, she tries to, um, she has like a, a, like that uh this is, this is where, well, she has like a, a, a whistle of some sort that she tries to circle around it to sort of, I guess the, the pitch or the, the sound of it would probably, um calm it down under other circumstances but apparently it's been shot at already so it's already very angry
0: I I'm sympathetic frankly
1: <laughs> well I, I i get it too <laughs> totally get it but you know <laughs> that's her uh that's her mentor she's got to save so <laughs>
0: yep so um let's uh Let's talk about where we want to go from here with this. I think one thing that we're talking about that I think is a good commitment is me going deeper and seeing where it leads. Um, I'll also watch the movie this weekend. Why not? Why not? But um, maybe we should start like exchanging back and forth some of this stuff a little more. Like,
1: Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, I I wasn't, it it sounded like you were going to clarify what you meant by that.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like there are, there are certain movies, certain shows um, well, certain books, obviously, but I don't need to go there that have um, a a greater significance to me than just, you know, their, their, their pop culture origins. And I think it'd be kind of cool to like uh try and tour you through those and have you do the same for me, because I think part of what's going on with Nausicaa, and I do think it is of quality, but mm-hmm. I also think it is special to you over and beyond its quality
1: and I, that yeah I, th- that, th- I think you're 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 probably right I, I honestly, like if we get if we do get around to watching Evangelion at some point, which uh, I would like to do. Okay um uh, we could probably go over that as well and and that's another one that uh probably has apart from the quality of it, there is a, a certain significance to it uh part I, I guess the this is like you know one of those moments where you, somehow something imprinted on you or or something of the uh, of that nature happened, right? mm-hmm. So uh I mean I think this may have been the first manga I ever read so there's part of that um it was also probably the first Miyazaki thing story that I'd ever experienced uh which then opened other doors given the fact he's got you know like his whole body of work um and uh, it just—I guess it just may have also caught me at a right at exactly the right time, you know. Uh, so
0: there is something that we need to scratch a little at, and I think it's a it'll it'll give you a much better idea of, of where where I'm at. With the exception of uh, this comic, I have I have no exposure to Miyazaki at all. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm aware, like, uh, uh, my neighbor, Tortoro is that what it's called? Like, I, I know that Mm -hmm. there are some things out there that are a big deal. I just, you know, I've, I've never touched them. Right. Right.
1: I mean, there is, uh, the majority of like the studio Ghibli, uh, output is, uh, mainly a lot of Miyazaki stuff. So yeah, my neighbor Totoro, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke. Um, yeah, these are all you know uh, in in certain circles super well known. Uh, which isn't to say that you know you're, there, there's any lack on your part. It's simply you know obviously.
0: Well, I mean, I do regard it as a lack because I know that they're they're important to a lot of people, and. I tend to consume a lot of media. And so the fact that I haven't gotten around to them knowing that they're good, I mean, it's sort of like when somebody, everybody tells you something's good and you don't touch it for a long time and then you finally do and you're like, what the fuck? Why did I do that to myself? <laughs> I mean, I know this is one of those situations. I'll,
1: I'll I'll be frank with you and say that I've had that happen and I've resisted it probably for the being wise about it in the sense that, um, to a certain extent, if somebody hypes something a bit too much for me, I don't want to touch it while that memory lingers mainly because I may end up just being uncharitable to it, not being ready for it. Right. Uh so rather than watch it at the moment, I mean, also some of it's just, plain stubbornness on my part, you know, just being obstinate is like, no, I'm not going to watch the thing that you, you're telling me 50 times to watch. No, fuck you. Um, (laughs) But some of it is, is honestly like, eh, I don't want to watch that right now. And, you know, you come back to it later and you go like, oh, well, why, why did I wait so long to watch that? And you go like, well, dummy, you waited that long because you don't even remember the dummy that was like on your ass about it, you know, for three weeks straight. Uh, so now you can watch it and be fair about it.
0: Yeah. You want it uh, and, to be your idea on some level so you can come at it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I think that there is a certain level of, uh, in my case, a certain level of obstinacy that will just spitefully just, okay, I'll watch it, but I won't like it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know exactly what you mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like I buy at the other end all the time because like a huge part of my personality is simply recommending books to people. And I know that even people who say they want books don't always.
1: Right. Right. I mean, it's the it's the ever I mean, in in the sense of books, it's it's the ever uh, present problem of I want a book. And in parentheses, without anyone, without that person saying it to you, it's, I want something exactly like the last thing I read. Yes. And, uh, and they, they may think they mean that. I know that sometimes I think I mean that, but generally I don't. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's a, it's like, we fear change. Yeah, You know what I mean? Just when change happens, it can be awesome. But like standing before it, even with something simple as a book or, you know, it can um, it can be a little disconcerting stepping into it. It's like, I, I, I don't know, like may, maybe there's a point where your brain just can't take it anymore. And we're all just braced for that. I,
1: I mean, I, I know that, for instance, like I will want to. Uh, return, tried to recapture uh, like the same feeling that I had reading X or Y. Let's, let's just throw it out there. Like, let's say uh, I finished reading Lord of the Rings and I wanted to read something that was like Lord of the Rings. I wanted it to be different, but secretly I didn't. Yeah. And the the thing about it is that sometimes you come across something that is uh, a little too similar. And you read it for a while, and you're sort of excited, and then something in the back of my brain goes like, "Nah, it'll this never isn't be." What
0: I yeah, you, well, you won't even it, even it, like you can't recapture the feeling again.
1: Right, right. And in that case, you just can never go back. So uh, the the issue becomes then not necessarily going to the other uh, extreme of that spectrum which is i want something completely different but variations on something similar uh but doing it in a different way you know sure but, which you know uh if if you think about it like my own trajectory you know like i i read was it lord of the rings and then i read uh, uh i'm trying to remember if i read uh the the dragonlance novels <laughs> not long after that or it was thomas covenant uh after that but regardless of the of the of the uh order of it uh one definitely came before the other uh and both of those were were similar enough in structure and theme but different because they were approaching it from a different sort of, uh, idea. Uh, Thomas covenant is, was very challenging, but also such a strange and weird and, uh, and, and granted I I was like 14. So some of the more super problematic parts of it, uh, did not really, I mean, you realize it's bad that, uh, you know, he's, He's engaged in rape and he's never really faced any consequences. And he's a hero. Um, as an adult, I reread that and I was like, wow. Right. I mean, Don't get me wrong. I feel like to a certain extent, the, in Thomas Covenant's case, the character is just so self-loathing that he punishes himself more than anyone else would. Um, which yeah. isn't to say that it's great, but I can understand why people are put off by it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's so incredibly damaged, you know, that, that the lash out that you were referring to, um, like at the time I read it certainly felt believable, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it is, um, I, I think the covenant series is a fascinating series with a lot of good ideas and a lot of like really gross shit in the mix too and that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean like i wouldn't recommend it to the right person but i mean it's something you're really like content warning
1: oh yeah for sure (laughs) for sure i mean uh, apart from that like uh, reading it after i started writing i i started noticing like Stephen Donaldson didn't like at the time did not really like to write. (laughs) There's, there's just, uh, uh, turns of phrase that are super clunky and, you know, I, to a certain extent, I now can forgive them a little bit, but they, they, they're very jarring. Um, but yeah, I, I, at the end of it, it's sad because it's, it's so very flawed as, uh, you know, on a stylistic level. And on a content level, like the the, the edgy stuff that uh, happens, uh, which I don't think he was trying to be like, you know, an edgelord or anything like that. He was just sort of trying to approach things at the level of a thought experiment, which seems cold and very distant to the average reader. Um,
0: well... Um, have you ever, have you ever touched his, uh, ring cycle?
1: You, you've mentioned this and I, I, I sort of, after Thomas covenant, I was a little just exhausted. Oh, uh, and, I never, yeah. I never bothered with it.
0: And, well, I mean, speaking of rapey, but I mean, more, more importantly for this conversation, it also feels very, uh, experimental. Like he's it's very much uh, an attempt to take uh like the the Wagnerian opera, you know the ring cycle mm-hmm. and make but, it into a s-
1: space opera, right yeah and I mean I mean
0: that's yeah that's that nothing- sounds
1: cool
0: yeah, but it's it's not something somebody just does like you don't vomit that up one day and write it down, you sit down just like, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's very, mm-hmm. it's very calculated and experimental and planned, which is fine, but that's definitely the sort of author we're talking about here.
1: Right. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, it also feel that also feels like the type of thing where it's like, uh, Kim Stanley Robinson writing Aurora, right. Mm-hmm. Where, um, where he, he decided that he was going to do a generation ship, uh, story, but he was going to just basically like fucking poke his finger in the eyes of everyone who thought that generation ships are cool. And that's, this isn't a viable thing to do <laughs> like as an actual real world thing. And in that case, he is absolutely correct. Like he did the science, he, he studied it, but people just hated that book. They really did. I, I, I even, Uh, had it for like a book club and people were like, well, they left the planet far too early. They didn't try to really solve the problem. It's like, uh, dude, half their crew like died from some disease they don't even know about. So what the fuck, dude? Spoiler alert. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Uh, No problem. But yeah, it is, uh, um, it's sort of a, it's sort of a gloomy thought that, uh, when you start looking at the interstellar travel options there, there aren't any.
1: Well, I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, he's absolutely correct and he's doing it for an effect, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. you know, Kim Stanley Robinson is a huge uh, proponent of like ecological, you know, like preservation and, and let's try to, let's try to like fix the planet we're on, uh, not try to just like fuck off to the next one and fuck that one up too. Right.
0: Uh, And he's not wrong. uh,
1: I mean, which I, I totally agree with him on this, because uh, what what are we going to do? <laughs> like, Elon's got this great, great plan. <laughs> Would you like to pay for air? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like welcome to the expanse, right? That's
1: <laughs> or, or or total recall.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, god. What a depressing thought. Um. So. carlo uh uh, what do you want to do next is there is there a book you're interested in reading or like like uh why don't you pick the poison
1: so um i do have two that i have lined up uh there is uh the vanished birds which i'm halfway through uh there's also distraction by by uh, uh, uh,
0: Bruce Sterling. Sterling uh, yep, Bruce Sterling. So I've reread. I was, was going like Ben Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> so I've reread Distraction, and um, if you will text me the name, I know it's come up a bunch of times and has been recommended to us. But if you text me the name, I'll download the Vanished Birds and read it this weekend. So sounds
1: good.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Of course, like what I'm really trying to do is get enough of a coupon together to make you read something. I don't even know what yet. But, you
1: know, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I still have, uh, in my back pocket, uh, the, uh, man thing with, uh, yes. Howard the duck, which, uh, I know that we've, uh, we forgot about our crap books episodes, but, uh, I do have that one pending. So,
0: oh dude, let's do a crap books episode this weekend. If you have time, like, let's just, man yeah, let's thing do it. That should, that'd be so much fun.
1: I mean, it, uh, I'll, I'll admit right up front, and this is a, a bit of a, a teaser, folks. Uh, Man, Thing is a lot of fun, if very goofy, and I don't, I don't even know. Like, were these people being paid in money or <laughs> like just drugs? Like, because, welcome um,
0: to the seventies.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and, and the funny thing is that uh, the the home base that they decide to use, I hadn't really thought about it because I remember as a kid. Cleveland being like this joke, right? Like, oh, you don't want to live in Cleveland. And I did not know that Cleveland was like a second wave of, uh, I forget if it was Detroit first when it basically the the auto industry started collapsing. Uh, A lot of people made their way to Cleveland. And that started also to collapse due to like inflation and and economic problems in the U.S. So then Cleveland becomes like this joke uh, instead you know, as like a punchline rather than like uh, you know like a problem that's being that's being really created by people in charge. It, I don't mean to bring anything down. It's just sort of an interesting. Uh, Thing because I remember all those jokes it's like you don't end up in Cleveland, you know, like even Spinal Tap has like, don't they have like their uh Hello Cleveland?
0: Yeah, well, even even uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hacks on Cleveland, if you remember, that's the other place where there's a hell mouth.
1: Oh, interesting. Well, you know. Joss Whedon's cancelled now oh. Yet again So, <laughs> Yeah well
0: he got real Cancelled this time like Pretty Ooh. exceptionally
1: Well I mean I'm, I'm glad that Finally like people were Like like making jokes about how Ray Fisher uh, who was cyborg In the Justice League was like You know saying like nobody had backed him up And it's like no dude like there's plenty Of people that backed him up and if he hadn't come Forward uh Like Sarah Michelle Gellar and Charisma Carpenter and David Boreanaz and all and the other people Trachtenberg, yes, wouldn't have come forward and said, "Yeah, it's true. He was shit, <laughs> even back then." Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know what nerd culture is going to do now.
0: Uh, well, maybe maybe they'll evolve beyond picking random people who write well and making them superheroes. Ha ha, well, no, yeah. that'll never happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, th- that's that's what you uh, you you keep Disney around for. It. You just sort of like get swallowed by the Disney blob, and then you're you're no you're no longer an actual individual person.
0: Oh yeah, because other they they can't afford that because otherwise you'll form your own studio, you know, like well,
1: or or make your own movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: intolerable.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's the perfect. Uh, I don't even know what you call that. Uh, when you when you limit the frame um, like in a debate, uh, how you how you uh, narrow down what you can debate about, I mean, it's a rhetorical trick, I'm sure. Um, but basically, Disney apparently just sends in their the the pre-visual team. These are the things we want to have, and you can work around that. And so basically, there's no real like (laughs) if you screw up you're you're to blame as the director but if it goes well well it's it's not really your movie yeah it's not really your movie anyway uh so i'm sure that feels great
0: well i'm wondering how long it's going to take before it movies could be just algorithmically generated it's I sincerely believe that will eventually be possible the way we are going. Oh,
1: oh, I, I have no doubt. I don't you. Don't, I mean, I, I don't know if you read that one, but I had like a whole little nasty little one where it was just basically uh, algorithms and deep fakes creating like curated content for you. Oh my like, god! It was like it was like a, a soap opera or a prestige TV but specifically based on your preferences and the ad inserts it would be curated for you personally
0: god that's such a horrifying idea just like everybody in the world watching the same channel and going deeper and deeper up their own ass
1: right well i mean uh, and and obviously the there's some certain variations the, the the general thrust would be the same but then Who, you know, who makes the choice or, you know, who zigs instead of zags is what's different for you.
0: I'm like, he he said thrust. (laughs) (laughs) God. uh. So anything else going on, man? Uh, Anything this
1: weekend? I am. I am chilling hard, man. I am not. uh, I I mean, we could probably also uh, talk about Outland. Which was fascinating, too. I think I'd seen that ages ago, and I don't remember much of it oh and yeah i I just rewatched it, and it was um it was really interesting. it <laughs> felt very uh seventies i and I'm not. And like, not in a, like, I'm not talking about disco folks. I'm just talking about like uh, the, the, the idea of like, somehow there was like a labor force and they had some sort of power and it was just very interesting. To
0: yeah. See I mean, that. clearly science fiction. Cause that couldn't happen today. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, I actually, my initial exposure, actually, no, I'm going to save it for the episode. That is the thing to do with that. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's, let's mm-hmm. totally talk Outland as well. Uh this yeah. might be a good place to leave it man. We did a wide ranging after the discussion uh bonus at the end of this episode. I hope everybody yeah. enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, we could do a part 3 of this and and figure w- once once you're once you're uh finished with everything. Yeah, um, we, but yeah.
0: We can call it, I'm you sorry. know, part 3 when Pete knows what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What? Podcasters need to know things. <laughs> no, man. Why? You can you can come up with a take first. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh also, and and to be honest with you, I don't know if you want to talk about this, uh, but do we want to do like uh, Venture Brothers? Yes, we I do. That you and I both that one's one that we could probably both like that's a that's a confluence, if I will, if you will.
0: Yeah, absolutely and I think it'd be easy to get a guest. I mean, like we're both thinking <laughs> of some names.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are so many people that would want to talk about uh uh Venture Brothers. I'm sure it's well loved. So
0: Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I it's it's very hard for me to give any any solid criticism of that show. I just I love it so much. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, uh, I know that it probably does – certain things don't hold up, uh, and it's probably problematic in parts. But overall, I, I I love that show so much. It just takes a lot of uh, – I don't know if it takes risks, but it definitely feels like it does. Right. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So there's that. So, yeah. So I think we have – what is it? The Vanished Birds, Distraction. Mm-hmm. Possibly Evangelion at some point. Uh, And uh, Venture Brothers. And Venture Brothers.
0: And Outland. And Outland. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was a good brainstorming session.
1: Yeah. Oh, and Big Trouble in Little China.
0: Of course, which is
1: coming up. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So now you heard it here here first, folks. (laughs) Big Trouble in Little China. All right. So I think that that is probably as good as it's gonna get for right now.
0: Okay, I'm gonna go pick up the frozen food off my doorstep and I hope everybody has a good day.
1: (laughs) All right, dude, take it easy.
0: Yep.